Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And And this month we're talking to you from our home. How boring. But we are ready to uh, tackle summer in Chicago, June 2010. We did arrive home after a bit of uh, extra driving. Yeah, we had quite a detour around all the horrible rains that uh, really socked it to Louisville and Tennessee in general. Uh, It was right when we were trying to come home and right on our route home, so we... uh, Did a little detour and came home via Missouri. Lots of extra driving, but we came home safe. So the the high gas prices have driven us home, and we'll be staying home for a while. But it looks like they're coming down again, so we will be ready to travel off again. And we're glad that you are listening. Lots of good emails this month. Uh, We do enjoy hearing from you. Send us some pictures for the listener rig page. We do enjoy putting up your pictures, and we got a couple this month which will be included along with this episode. So let's move on to um, something that... You might want to take a look at it, and that's the new RV Navigator blog, which is dealing with mobile tech. It's called RV-Mobile Tech, and I post topics that I think will be of interest to RVers in the mobile tech arena, particularly iPad and iPhone stuff, but uh, actually quite a lot of uh, interesting topics that you would find of value, and I hope that you'll send us a comment there too. That's at rv Tech. M-O-B-I-L-E-T-E-C-H dot com. Well, we were kind of sad that we are in the midst of this oil spill. Uh, The footage we're seeing on TV is devastating to everybody, and especially the people that live in the Gulf Coast area where we've been so recently. Yes, And it was extra sad to uh, read an article uh, that quoted the owners and managers of the RV park where we had stayed in Biloxi. The the Cajun RV park. And and had had a wonderful time, and they were commenting about all the cancellations that they've had and um, all the money that they're losing. Sometimes you don't think of industries like that as also being impacted, but I think that area has pretty well lost its tourism for the summer, and they were mulling over whether they were going to sue BP to try to recover some of their losses. And, Uh, of course, they just felt that they had recovered partially from uh, Storm Ike, that were devastated by that storm just a year and a half ago. Yeah, even though we had a good time there, we found the area very sad because uh, if you were at all observant, you could start to see footprints of things that had been there and were destroyed by the hurricanes. And now to have to have this blow to their economy as well, you just wonder how much they can put up with. And we feel really badly about it all. Our part of the episode is going to be fairly short because we have a great interview this time. We interviewed uh, a friend down in Louisiana. Louisiana who had spent a long time in, or who has spent a long time in Mexico camping. And we know that Mexico is an interesting place to camp, and we thought you'd like to be interested in their impressions of it. It's an especially appealing place to be in the winter, but people are always afraid because you get a lot of bad publicity about um, crime and corruption in Mexico. So we thought that people who have really spent some uh, quality time there on their own could give you a really good insight into what camping in Mexico really and is George like. George and Judy have spent quality time in Mexico many times. So first-hand report on camping in Mexico. For the beginning part of the episode, we're going to be talking about something which really kind of shocked me. A, a parent buys an RV, sells their house, 
and their kids get all upset about this. Actually, I'm not. I'm surprised this doesn't happen more because Maybe it does. I, I think a lot of kids assume that their parents are always going to be in the old homestead where they grew up and and lead a dull, safe, predictable life as they always have. <laughs> and um, it's a shock to the system when all of a sudden you realize that your folks are not where you expect them to be and they're not available for babysitting if that's an issue to you. <laughs> and and the 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 child who was. I mean, obviously, grown and on their own, writes to the newspaper, my parents, who are retired, sold their house. They're putting some of the money in the bank and buying an RV with the rest. It has been their lifelong dream. I'm worried my kids and I won't see them as much. I realize this is selfish, but I've always been very, we've always been a very close family. I'm also worried that they're making a big mistake and have tried unsuccessfully to discuss the financial repercussions of their decision. How can I get them to listen? <laughs> so, so, dear Abby, Ken, and Martha, I don't think you should listen to them. Is it cheaper to the financial repercussions of buying a of buying an RV as compared to a house? Whoa! And and it says a house is so much less costly in terms of maintenance. I don't think well, so. Certainly, as I think over the last year, <laughs> when we took the RV out of storage, we spent some quantity of time. Uh, repairing this and that that had broken down. Um, and now that we have come home, we are spending another quantity of time repairing this and that that has broken down. Well, we had our ejector pump go out, and now the air conditioning has gone. gone out. So, But I would say overall, the RV repairs have to be less expensive because it's so much smaller of a thing to be keeping repaired. And those costly RV resorts, says the, the son or daughter, are they costly? Is it too expensive? I don't think so. Not no, on a per no, night no, basis no, no. compared compared to what you'd pay. The only thing I would say is, at least in olden times, you could assume that your house would appreciate and earn you some equity. And it's certainly clear that owning an RV is not a financial investment no. in terms of that. But these days, you can't even assume that your house is going to be earning you money if you just stay put and stay in it. Mm-hmm. And in our area, we pay horrendous real estate taxes, and it would be nice to be out from under those as well. So us we could who pay have for a both, lot of campsites yeah. with our real estate Just the taxes. real estate tax. I mean, we pay well over $5,000 in real, real estate taxes. And I think that would buy a hell of um, <clears throat> that would buy a lot of uh, camping and a lot of stuff for the RV. Now, us who have both a stick house as well as the RV, that is a little expensive. Is financially <laughs> stupid. <laughs> now that's what this kid should be complaining about. They should be worried about us. Be glad not that their they parents. hey, be glad that they sold their house and they're smart <laughs> instead of having two houses. Two. People around here ask us why we have this house. And maybe they're right. I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder. We spend less and less time here. But we do like it. Don't we? Yes. Okay. So we'll let you uh, send us some comments or make some comments about uh, what your reaction, what your children's reaction has been, or what your reaction is if your parents were to buy an RV and tell you they're going to go off wandering the world. Is it unsafe? Is it too expensive? Is fuel too costly? And those expensive RV resorts. Hmm. I think this person has never been camping. Now, dear listener, I need your help. I need your help desperately. This is your RV navigator speaking. I found a tech gizmo. Very cool. Called the Pocket Radar. And this is, a, you know, radar, not, not, this is not a radar detector. This is a speed detector. 
so that you can become part of the, the action and, and check the speed of anything that's going by, whether it's a, a pitched baseball or a, or a drag racer or whatever. It measures uh, all those different ranges of speed. And it's new because it doesn't use the big antenna. It fits in the palm of your hand and only costs $200. So why do you need it? I don't. <laughs> I cannot figure out a reason to buy it. I don't think I can move fast enough that you would need <laughs> radar to keep track of me. Uh, well, I wouldn't buy it to keep track of you, but I would like to know why I should buy this. And There must be a reason. Please, please, somebody come up with a reason for me to buy this. That's the Pocket Radar. Look on the website for the link to the Pocket Radar, although it is pocketradar.com. And if you please come up with a, with a reason why we should buy this. I think it's something that every RV navigator needs, but why? Good question. <laughs> On the low-tech front, we'll let the co-pilot handle this. What, the baby wipes? You want me to talk about the baby wipes? I thought this was very strange when you found this article. Um, these people are using baby wipes, wipes to clean everything in their RV. Uh, they rave about their cleaning power uh, <laughs> and how they can get through all different kinds of spills and stains, even on carpeting. Uh, quite frankly, I've never tried them. Uh, you can look on the um, link on the webpage to see if you agree with their assessment of the baby wipes. But certainly I have bought disposable... Disposable, yeah. Uh, cleaning stuff that came in little cloths because it's a lot easier to just start with a new clean cloth. But they recommend using baby wipes to clean most of the things in your RV. I mean, this is not just kind of a specialized sort of thing. They cut through dried up and caked spills. They clean carpets. It's much faster than mop water. If they say so. Okay. And they have lots of pictures. So we'll put that link up there. And uh, if you use baby wipes or something similar, Mr. Clean Wipes or something like that, uh, yeah, let that us know. That's, that's, yeah, well, I assume it's pretty much the same thing. But baby wipes does have to get rid of a lot of um, unpleasant stuff. So that's the place to look for unusual uses of standardized things. We're going to recommend some websites this time, too. We've kind of been derelict in putting websites up and uh, and making recommendations to you. Because this is a technology podcast, we think we should include a few websites. And there's a new one called Most Fuel-Efficient Motorhomes. And as you might guess, they're all <laughs> van-sized. And there are no... <laughs> there are no 40-foot motorhomes. Sorry, Ken. Oh, well. Well, we know ours is not very... Well, it's efficient by the pound, all right. If you're interested in this, uh, it's at fuelefficientrvs.net, and you can take a look and see what are the most e- fuel-efficient RVs on the market today. And that's kind of a nice site to, to have. Maybe that girl who wrote in about her full-timing <laughs> parents would feel better I don't think they're gonna buy if they bought a little camping van. <laughs> uh, the NPS, National Park Service, has a summer trip planning site, which is new. And if you're planning on visiting one of our what did they say, 130 national parks? More than that, 300 and something. Oh, said. really, uh-huh. 300 and something? If you're planning on went visiting one of our hundreds of national parks, of course, our best tip is what? Go during the off-season. No, no. <laughs> well, yes, but our best tip is what? Stay a long time. No. Our best tip is be over 62 so you can buy the the park's pass and get in for free. Yeah, that's something that Isn't not that everybody can do, however. Well, borrow one from us. Um, and then, of course, the RV Tip of the Day website. They will send you an email, and 
this will give you some tips and things that you should be thinking about as you get your RV out of storage and the onto the roads. Ever since the uh, latest economic collapse, the U.S. News and World Reports <laughs> has been doing a lot of articles trying to help people recover from the meltdown of their 403Bs and mm -hmm. IRAs and, and all of their investments. And they had an article recently about things that you could do to kind of boost your income while you are in retirement. Well, they and call it 10 uncommon sources. And lo and behold, uh, one of their bullet point items uh, encouraged people who own RVs to do some work camping and enjoy um, seeing America while they are paid for their uh, labor and or get free camping. So this is obviously a topic that uh, we and our listeners are familiar with, and it was interesting to see this being recommended to the general public as well. Well, and this is something that's truly viable. I mean, we have talked to a number of people who have work camped, but they don't, f <laughs> I don't know, this is strange, they don't full-time work camp, but they work camp. To supplement their income, which is what that article was yeah, about. Yeah, to supplement. And and it seems to be very viable. And, of course, for the the young lady who was complaining about her parents leaving, it would get rid of the camping fees and would bring in some money. I think what Go that girl is we're really worried about is, is her that. Her inheritance, inheritance. yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see those bumper stickers about spending our children's inheritance. As a matter of fact, we have on one on our car right now, the ski club. Spending, spending our, our kids', kids inheritance. 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 Right. One of the things that um, RV manufacturers are always trying to do is come up with new things to entice us to buy their vehicles. And, of course, these days uh, some of them have gone back to the very old and plain and simple things to have <laughs> lower-priced vehicles that would entice us to buy them. But certainly a trend that we've noticed in a number of new models is um, RVs that have two kitchens. Um, we are kind of curious what you think about that. Uh, the idea being that you have one <laughs> kitchen to cook in on the inside and of the your rig the and then the other one on the outside. And these days, all the rage in the large motorhomes is to have two bathrooms, one in the very back and then one in the middle. In my humble opinion, when you are <laughs> in an RV that is limited in space, there are very few things that you want to have. Well, I see long. the middle bathroom as being a nice big storage closet. Well, then why not just have a nice big storage closet? Well, because they don't It'd do be a lot that. Cheaper. But why not just turn it into a huge, nice storage closet for all your goodies and stuff? And as far as two kitchens go, um, I, I do cook Sounds now like and again while we're on the road, but part of the fun of being on the road is eating out at um, interesting places wherever it is that you are. Yeah, but, I, but you know, tailgaters and people like that yeah. who are interested Different in kind of, in kind of the outdoor do. cooking, I, I mean... They're not full kitchens. They only have a sink and a refrigerator <laughs> and a and stove. A, and a stove. <laughs> so, what? No microwave? N well, probably they have a microwave too. Then but they're two kitchens. Yeah. So let's have two kitchens. We don't need two kitchens. Nah, we're tough. We're we're old style campers. We don't need two kitchens and two bathrooms. <laughs> we'll just eat out. <laughs> For that young lady who's worried about her parents squandering her inheritance, uh, <laughs> we read an interesting article that reaffirmed what we already thought, which is that overall RV vacations are by far uh, more affordable than regular suitcase-type trips. Uh, and it had all the obvious bulletin, bullet points about um, cooking in and eating your own food and not spending expensive uh, for expensive hotel rooms and using economical campgrounds instead and it was nice to see this article which reaffirmed what we already suspected would be true 
PKF Consulting, an international consulting firm with expertise in travel and tourism, found that a typical RV family vacation are on the average of 27 to 61% less expensive than other types of vacations studied. Even factoring in RV ownership and fuel costs, the study reveals that RV family vacations tend to be significantly less expensive than other types of vacation. Mm-hmm. So you can use that as evidence. And, of course, we will put the link in on our website so that you can actually read the entire study. But as she says, you know, RVing, as we know, is actually substantially less expensive. The study showed that a family of four from Phoenix, Arizona to Napa, California, with their folding camping trailer for 10 days staying in campgrounds at the local average of $33 a night, which is fairly expensive, would save 52% or $2,379 over the same trip taken by car, staying in hotels averaging $122 a night and eating in restaurants. Taking the same vacation in a by <clears throat> taking the same vacation by a type C motorhome would save seventeen hundred and four dollars or thirty seven percent over going by car, and I think this just reconfirms exactly what we know that RVing is a good deal. What it doesn't address, which is the other end of the question, <laughs> is um, how much you spent for your rig in the first place. No, it does address that. It said no, it yeah. says up here that it, it, they incorporated even the cost of the RV. So it was a cheap RV. <laughs> yeah, well, it was yeah. a cheap RV. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we will now uh, talk about Mexico and uh, turn it over to our friends Judy and George, who actually have spent a long time in Mexico, and they have uh, some some great expertise. Uh, living in, in San Diego really helps <laughs> because they can go to Mexico so quickly. Uh, I think for us, one of the biggest problems is the insurance as we talk about it a little bit in the in the in the interview, the insurance for us to go for a two or three weeks or even six weeks in the in the wintertime would be a little bit prohibitive because it would be several hundred dollars. But for them, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think maybe for some of our listeners, it would make some sense. Well, you can't just buy it based on the amount of time you're going to be in Mexico. You have to buy it in increments that they've already decided, like six months worth of insurance and. We never intend to stay in Mexico for six months, so exactly. it, it seems expensive to us. But uh, anybody who lives in an area where they can go in and out of Mexico fairly mm. quickly, as our friends do, yes, uh, can really, it, it's a very reasonable way to live for them. Okay, so we'll turn it over to the interview. All right, listeners, we are here with uh, a couple of friends that uh, we have met a couple of years ago by the name of George and Judy, and they have an interesting lifestyle. Tell us a little bit about your camping history. Well, we started camping actually about 35, 40 years ago when our children were quite young. Uh We started out with a very small 19-foot motorhome and uh, made several trips across the United States. Um, At one point, we took six weeks and covered probably about 40 40 states what kind of an rv did you have that was a 19 foot lakeview it's on a nissan chassis uh-huh. up class b or a c class c uh-huh. and the whole family fit the whole family two children and one dog <laughs> <laughs> and so now you're in a class a uh 34 feet long and it's with a couple of slides you, right? out <laughs> <laughs> you're like us so a lot of a lot of miles in between we bought this motor home in 2004 uh-huh. and so far we put on about seventy-five thousand miles 
75,000. So you are full-timers? No, no, no. No. We still have a house. We probably uh-huh. spend uh, half a year there, but when we're on the road, we don't stay too long in yeah, one place. So you're a lot like us. We are wandering souls, and we travel mm-hmm. around and, and have a house also, which is kind of an yes. unusual circumstance for, for many of us on the road. And we are here where today? We are here in Abbeville, which is in Louisiana. Uh-huh. We're at Betty's RV mm-hmm. Park. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and why? <laughs> a lot of good Cajun food here. Yeah, we have in not Louisiana. had a lot of Cajun food prior to this, and but boy, we have had some good stuff thanks to you taking us to some great restaurants. We've been eating uh, our way through Louisiana. So, your specialty, George, is. Well, I have had uh, a few bowls of gumbo. A few bowls. I've had shrimp gumbo, uh, sausage gumbo, chicken gumbo, <laughs> uh, crawfish gumbo. Well, but you don't just have gumbo. Well, I do put in a little bit of Tabasco what? sauce. <laughs> What's the quantity there? <laughs> well, I like to spice it up. Yeah. Is, is Tabasco the best stuff? Uh, that's the one I enjoy, uh, you know, in my gumbo. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we like spicy food, and uh, we've spent a lot of time in Mexico, and I like the peppers and the chilies yeah, and yeah. that type of thing. Whereas uh, the RV navigators are kind of wimps in that regard. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we don't uh, spice it up, but boy, the food has been terrific. And Judy, what is, what is your specialty been? Um, I've enjoyed the shrimp pull boys, mm-hmm. which is a large roll that has mm-hmm. uh, shrimp that can be grilled or fried. Right. They'll put tomato, lettuce, and some other condiments on it, and uh-huh. it's wonderful. We came down here without really much knowledge about uh, what to expect, as I assume you did also. This is your first time in this area? We've been in Louisiana yeah. several times. Yeah, we're before. about two hours from New Orleans. And this, uh, But our first time at Betty's RV Park uh-huh. in Abbeville, which is very interesting. And uh, why? Every day we have a happy hour <laughs> uh, at 4.30. Uh, we all bring something and uh, a few drinks, and uh, then a lot of times we all get together, go out to different places, list, listen to concerts, go out to dinner together, yeah. and Betty's the one who always organizes this. I would say that Betty is the, the impetus that uh-huh. gets people here and keeps people here. Uh, her friendly, outgoing manner, her... Um, uh, willingness to share and to help and point out restaurants and good places to go is just monumental. And, really you're, and you're headed to New Orleans for the Jazz Festival. Yes, we are. Uh, we like will be. The music. Uh, do they play Cajun there, or is it just jazz? Uh, they play a little bit of everything. They uh-huh. play rock and roll. Oh. They play Cajun. They play Zydeco. You name it, and they probably play it there. And we probably should mention that this is uh, mid-April. Uh, April 25th through year, May uh, 3rd of this year. Our listeners Correct. won't be able to go to it this year, but mid-April. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and we should also mention that in this Louisiana area, there are tons of festivals and that if you're a listener and you're thinking of wanting to hear some Cajun music and want to enjoy the food and and see the people in action, boy, this is the time of the year to come, the kind of mid-spring time frame. Oh, it sure is. And we've had a great time uh, 
enjoying the music. And, and it's something brand new for us, so we, we've enjoyed it very much. But we really wanted to talk to you because you are, in my mind, you're experts in travel to Mexico by RV. And as we find, many people are apprehensive, to say the least, about traveling to Mexico. And uh, we know nobody else who really travels to Mexico like you guys. So tell us how you got started and what's what's going on down there. We started traveling uh, to Mexico about five, six years uh-huh. ago. We took a little trip with one of the caravan companies to learn the ropes. And well, that every- was your first time? Yes. Huh? That's uh, where we met. I was on an yeah. RV caravan. Uh, no, there oh. was one time prior to oh, that, okay. the year before. Oh, okay. Uh, we went on a 9- or 12-day uh, RV tour, and uh, we enjoyed Mexico mm-hmm. so much that mm-hmm. after the tour was over, we turned around, we went back down, we made our way all the way to Mazatlan. We, By yourself? Yes, yes. I think that's one of the, the uh, nice things or a, a beautiful way to, to become acquainted with Mexico is uh-huh. to go on a caravan, maybe a short-term uh-huh. caravan, I would agree. Yeah. where so you not only get to know wonderful people such as yourselves, and, right. uh, but also you just um, you develop you a sense of, of safety and, and how to go about you know, mm-hmm. traveling in Mexico. So we highly recommend that. But after your first time... Well, so after, after our first caravan, we went... Back to the United States. We were in uh, Arizona for a couple of days, mm-hmm. and then we turned around, uh, and then we went back down to Mexico. We Aren't visited. the border crossings a hassle? Biggest hassle is coming back across the border cro- uh-huh. crossings, having to go through U.S. immigration, uh-huh. and they always want to go through your RV because we have a refrigerator, and they always end up going through it. So coming back to the United States is more of a hassle than going yes. into Mexico. Going, but what kind of um, documentation do you need to take your RV into Mexico? You have to have Mexican and you have to show liability for insurance. And you buy that where? And you can buy that at the border. You can buy kind it of there. on the spot. Yeah, yeah. And you can buy it on the internet. There's a lot of different companies that uh-huh. uh, and, sell and in it. In round terms, what's the cost? Uh, we buy it by the year, which is probably about uh, $300 a year for a motorhome. And your tow car? And our tow car is probably another couple hundred dollars. Uh-huh. It isn't that Snow bad. Mask. And so we're covered for the whole year. Uh-huh. We can go cross any time mm-hmm. we want to. Okay. So crossing the border, you need insurance? Insurance, and you need a tourist card. But you only need a tourist card, let's say, if you're going into the state of Sonora. I, they have a free which is below, zone, which is, where? which is below Nogales, Nogales, in Arizona. Uh, Arizona. Yeah, okay. And so, consequently, I think you can go about 300 miles down into Mexico uh-huh. without a tourist card. And uh-huh. then you come to a certain spot, and it says... Uh, on the road. You, you need uh-huh. a tourist card after that. But we usually get it by the border. It's easy. Free? No. No. It costs something like $25, $35. Uh-huh. But you just need person. one for both vehicles? No. You oh. need one for each of you. And, of course, you need to show your passport when uh-huh. you're yeah. doing it. And you'll need your passport when you come yeah, yeah, back yeah. across uh, the border into the U.S., now, also, you need going into Mexico if you're going uh, down a little ways. You, you'll need uh, 
permit for your motorhome, which you can get a 10-year permit mm -hmm. uh, for your motorhome, and you'll need a permit for your car. Long you can get the permit for the car is six months, and yes. you need to turn that back in when you go back across the border. And the purpose of those is for? The purpose of those is they keep track of cars uh -huh. and make sure you're not taking it down to sell it it's in To Mexico. sell your motorhome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Additional documentation, Ken, is um, necessary for those pet owners. Oh, well, that's uh, often a good, oh, that's we a are asked about. You have two dogs we that we you have two up. little Shih Tzus, right? That's, that's not been a problem, really. Uh, no, it hasn't been a problem. But you do want to make sure that you have a health certificate, um, a current health certificate, within 30 days of crossing the border. Um, also, make sure they've had their and that vaccinations. And going to the vet. Yes, going and to the vet. You get that from a vet locally, or. Yes, it down there. Well, preferably you'd want to get it probably here in the United States, just because you uh -huh. have it all in order. I mean, you surely uh -huh. could go. But you can to get that at your Mexico. local vet. Yes, at your local vet okay. or Petco, they'll they'll do health uh -huh. or any of those okay. pet stores. Um, also, make sure they're up to date on their rabies and any other vaccinations, um, heartworm medicine, that type of thing. And basically, we've only been asked once in five years, but, um, you know, coming back coming across, back across uh -huh. the U.S., so better to be safe than sorry. Absolutely. So that's good. And so you don't need any other documentation coming back, anything additional, coming back to the U.S.? Because uh, what you mentioned is to go to Mexico. You need your passport well, yeah, to get yeah. back into yeah. the country. And these vaccination or the health certificates for your dogs. Yeah. Correct. Or your animals. And they don't usually ask for it, but we just yeah, yeah, carry yeah. all their records with Very them. sensible to Just me. to be on the safe side. So you have uh, been to several areas, and so you leave the border, and where do you go, and how do you decide? How do we? Okay. Uh, a lot of times we cross the border. We, we try to cross at a small border crossing. We like idea. to cross uh, near Lukeville, and that is close to Puerto Penasco, or Americans like to call it is Rocky Point. That's by the Arizona crossing. Uh -huh. Uh, another crossing where so we So you don't cross. go through San Diego where, you, where you're from? No, Tijuana is too busy. Uh -huh. um, I just soon not cross. So you there. recommend for RVers that they look for a small-ish yes. crossing? Yeah. Now, if you're going down the Baja, well, yeah. you, you'd want to cross it. Well, I'd prefer to cross at Tecate, which is probably uh -huh. about 30 miles from Tijuana. 30 miles east. That would be 30 miles east. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also recommend doing a morning crossing if at all possible because, number one, you're fresh in the morning, but also the traffic is such that usually you can make uh -huh. it just a cleaner sweep across the border than later on when the traffic starts to back up uh -huh. going both ways because sure. a lot of people do commute to work into Mexico and back. And you're just stuck on the line with everybody exactly. else. There's no special yeah. RV so, line or anything. Well, mm, no. it depends on the yeah. crossing, but probably mm -hmm. not. Okay. So how long has that taken you in round numbers? Uh, okay, hour, when we going in, getting the paperwork uh, can take anywhere from an hour to two hours, three hours. Uh, we always try to do it first thing in the morning. That way, you spend maybe an hour or less, mm -hmm. maybe only a half an hour. So then you're on your way, and how do you decide where to go? It's whatever we feel like doing. We usually spend the first night at San Carlos, which is probably. 100, 150 miles down from Nogales Crossing. Mm -hmm. And then we'll work our way to Alamos, which is probably another couple hundred miles. It's a small colonial mm -hmm. town. Uh, it's been around for probably about 1600s. Uh, there's quite a few Americans and Canadians who uh -huh. live there. 
some uh, part-time half of the year and rest uh, live there all year round. And I think, too, Ken, another way that we decide how and where we're going to go is from, you know, through word of mouth. I sure. mean, a lot of campers, a lot of RVers like to share their experiences, Absolutely. and we as well. And you find... A lot of people. And we do find many, Americans. many people that have gone the same route or different routes or new uh-huh. parks or old parks. or So we do get information that way. The sharing is... So you're not is, alone. No. Even no. though you're traveling alone. Exactly. We normally always stay in a park where there are, you know, uh, substantial numbers of people. Um, and how do you find these parks besides word of mouth? Uh, what I re- would recommend is a book called Mexican Camping. It's written by Mike and Terry Church. And they have a website, and you can buy the book on Amazon.com, and I imagine you can get it at Borders or Barnes and & Noble. Uh, and we'll put a link to it on our website okay. in the show notes. Okay, that's good. It's the Bible of most people who camp in Mexico. Uh-huh. Uh, and I see all it's, it's quite thick. Grounds. You have it here. It is, it's Yes, it is. So it lists campgrounds and destinations and things to do once you get there? Yes. All that. And it's, that road conditions and... It's probably about close to 600 pages. Uh-huh. And they do have updates on their website uh-huh. and things that have changed. Uh, uh-huh. People who've been down there recently add things to their websites, things they found or, and that might be different. The churches have sort of made this book a career in the last number of years uh-huh. because they go, of course, all the places yeah. that one would be reading about. Um, and they continually, like George said, update it and really... It's a wonderful resource. I think uh, a lot of listeners maybe think of Mexican campgrounds as being kind of backward and not up to American standards. Is it easy to find campgrounds, and are they what we expect? Okay. Yeah, it's it's very easy to find campgrounds. It is. Uh, and you can just pull in without reservations. Yes. In fact, Judy and I, we never have a reservations. Uh-huh. In fact, we very seldom make reservations uh-huh. when we travel. Uh, we have reservations in New Orleans, uh-huh. but that's probably one of the few rare yeah. times we do make reservations. But in Mexico... And do, this hasn't been a problem? No, we've never had a problem. Uh, even if they are full, you can even find space in the uh-huh. overflow. So you don't mind boondocking yeah, or yeah. it's possible uh-huh. to boondock? Yeah. And most of the campgrounds have 30-amp electricity. Really? Some may only have 15-amp, but you can still run Some one have bare wires, <laughs> <laughs> as we've seen. As George said, the, the majority of them do have 30 and sometimes 50-amp, but um, the restrooms, they normally have restrooms that are quite clean and showers. Really? Sometimes a swimming pool. Uh-huh. Yes, very, very nice. And the water? The water? You hook up? You hook up your water tank? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we shower with their water. Uh, um, basically, the only thing we don't do with their water is we don't drink the water. Have you had a bad experience or is that just No, I've never a had safety? a bad It's just safety precaution. Uh-huh. Whenever you travel to a different yeah. locale, you always have to be sure. cautious of the yeah, water. I don't water. care if it's in Europe, uh, in the yeah. United States, or wherever you are. Um, but also what you can do is put the water in your holding tank, which I learned from Ken many years ago on an RV trip with him. And you can add some bleach, and right. you have good water then. 
Uh, a lot of people also think about safety. I worry safety. about my personal safety here in the United States a lot of the time. Uh, our capital, but not in Washington, an RV park. I've seen a trailer with uh, three mm-hmm. three wheelers or quads on it. Uh, somebody drove in, hooked it up, and they really? drove out at in a the United very, States. In the United States, in Tucson, at a very upscale. RV park. Okay, but in Mexico. In Mexico, it's <laughs> Which is very like, comfortable. <laughs> very comfortable in the <laughs> RV parks. <laughs> um, most of them do have security. Oh, um, really? Mm-hmm. Quite, quite often you'll nine. see a security mm-hmm. guard. But um, we, we feel very comfortable traveling in Mexico. And you go out and like eat at restaurants and feel We do in the evening. Drive your car. And I think, you know, as in any city, be it... Yeah. You know, in Canada, the United States, Mexico, you use common sense and uh, all is well. So banditos, the, the, the quintessential thing that people think about when they think about Mexico are not a problem or you've never? No, we've never encountered any problem. Uh, in fact, in most places, uh, Mazatlan, Alamos, um, just about all the cities we've been in, we've never felt hesitant to walk around at night, mm-hmm. and you can't always say that about the yeah. uh, United States. Yeah. So overall, it's a good experience. O- overall, traveling and, and, in Mexico, uh, and, it's and, a good. You take certain precautions, yeah, just like yeah, yeah. we don't travel at night. Uh, you know, because there could be uh, livestock on the road, yeah. a truck yeah, broken yeah. down, and. Uh, and how about things like uh, buying groceries? And do you need Spanish? That's another question I'm do sure you people need? would have. Some groceries. They have grocery stores, you know, pretty nice grocery stores, oh, really? actually, in most of the cities that we tend to go to, uh, be it large or small. And we have never really found it a problem. Um, so you eat the food off the, the shelves? I oh, mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You, you purify the, the water? I, I eat the food off of the taco <laughs> stands. <laughs> My oh, my oh, philosophy no. is, if hey, cooked. if they're busy, you know, it must be good. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, they have Walmarts down there. Uh-huh. They have uh, Sam's Club. So they no have Costco's. Getting... And one's, one nice thing about you go into Costco in Mexico, uh, they'll have samples of uh, alcohol, and uh, you can actually taste it and decide from that if you know you have to before taste you it buy. Before you know, yes, yes. <laughs> it's called tequila sampling. <laughs> so George doesn't make it out of the store, <laughs> or he spends a lot at Costco. <laughs> oh, there's a Costco. <laughs> Let's stop in and have a drink. <laughs> Let's go have uh, lunch and drinks at Costco. And so Spanish. I don't know any Spanish to speak of. You can get along very well in Mexico without Spanish. Really? Most Mexicans, you know, they speak some English. You can always, there's always sign language. Uh, I know a little Spanish, how to order a beer. And do you have the Spanish you app for your iPhone? Well, I do carry a translator uh-huh. with me when I go into a grocery store. Uh-huh. That If I can't find something, that way I can ask somebody. But... Uh, most people go down to Mexico, uh, they speak very little, if any, Spanish. So, I guess the people say, you're from San Diego, the place with the best weather in the whole blessed United States. Yeah. Why would you go to Mexico? <laughs> we do get that uh, posed to us rather frequently. But once again, you know, uh, the, the culture of Mexico is so special. The weather during so January, you go to festivals February. and things like that? We do. We go to whatever uh-huh. is going on at that time of the year. Usually January, February, and March, there's different festivals. We've been to Carnival in uh, Mazatlan, which is the third largest carnival. Oh. Uh, 
yeah. around. Uh, we've been to Carnival in Wymas. Um, there's always something going on. A lot of good food. And like we said, the weather at that time of the year is wonderful uh, in Mexico. It's probably in the middle 70s, uh-huh. the high 70s, very comfortable weather. We, from Chicago area, we go south to Texas um, where we think the weather is warm. But as we've mentioned this past winter, as many as well as other winters, it hasn't been really warm, warm. And I think the reason why we don't go to Mexico is because it's so much farther to drive. You know, it would be another two or three days for us to get down to really to really warm, and we just don't feel the, the necessity to do that. But for you, um, it's about the same distance as it would be for us going to Texas, I assume. How far is Mazatlan? Okay, from Ma- Mazatlan from our house is probably a 1,000 miles. Yeah. Probably takes us... Um, week and a half two weeks because we like to stop at a lot lot of these little villages along the way and um, spend a few nights there Mm -hmm. a week there and uh, we never really have any special destination in Mm -hmm. mind Uh, whatever we encounter along the way uh, interesting but you do go someplace and stay for a while the longest we've spent any place is probably a month in uh, Mazatlan, then a month in San Miguel de Allende. We took a Spanish class for a week or two. So you go for the weather, for the cultural activities, anything else that's... And the food. Oh, yes. And the food. <laughs> <laughs> And now Louisiana's on the list also yes. <laughs> for some, uh, for some good is. Cajun food. The, the food down in Mexico, is, um, it's wonderful, and it's so different from what we get in California because that's really more not, of a Tex-Mex. Oh, really? Mex. Oh, really? Tex-Mex oh. In, in San Diego, and it's all wonderful. But down in Mexico, you you know, a taco, for example, it's not tomato, lettuce, meat, or chicken. Uh, it's usually just one item, like uh, maybe pork. Or carnitas. It's not stuffed with a lot of stuff like what we're used to. So mm-hmm. the food is wonderful. The people are very friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be driving along these little country roads in Mexico, and farmers are out plowing their field using a horse to plow it. And they'll wave to you as mm-hmm. you go by. School children wave. Uh, it's a, it's a so, friendly country. So you can recommend it from that aspect also. Most definitely. And we find that people go out of their way in Mexico. They Uh take the time. I think they have the time that perhaps we don't always have had the time Uh to stop, give people directions and talk to them and really get acquainted. So people, you know, for example, we were needing some directions one time and someone not just gave us directions, but they said, hey, follow our car and we'll take you there to this Uh particular place. So it's, it's very refreshing, I find. Uh, to find that type of camaraderie. How about the roads? The roads from basically Nogales to Mazatlan, they're toll roads, and they're very good roads. You'll pay a little bit in tolls, but it's well worth it. Most of the way, it's uh, four-lane roads, two uh-huh. lanes going each way. So it's, so you don't have any hassle with the driving? or no, we, And it works pretty much like it does in the United States? Yeah. Most places, it's fairly equivalent to what we have mm-hmm. in the United States. Uh, other places, it isn't quite as good. But, and your uh, GPS works? Uh, GPS, yes. What we do before we go down to Mexico, we have the Garmin GPS, and we always buy the Garmin ma- maps. Uh-huh. Now the Garmin maps for Mexico are very good. So that's navigation's not really too much of a problem navigation's no problem at all. One of the-
of the things that um, I'm impressed with is the fact over the last five years, the roads are continually under, um, well, repair, but also reconstruction, widening them, re-asphalting them. I mean, they just make them better and better and better every single year that we've gone down. We love the Pemexes, which is a, a government-controlled filling stations, but the beauty of them is that they're extremely large, semi-trucks, uh, coaches, uh, fifth wheels can all pull in easily, Everywhere. navigate around, turn around, go the other direction if necessary, and uh, they're just a, a blessing in disguise. They're, they're wonderful. Getting gas or, or diesel in Mexico is no problem. In fact, uh, most of the time it's uh, cheaper than in the U.S., especially cheaper. diesel. In fact, uh, when we were down there, uh, gas was right around uh, 235, 240 a gallon. Just comparable to what we were paying in Texas. Yes. Mm-hmm. But diesel was. Uh, probably less than what. Uh, in fact, when we crossed over into the United States, uh-huh. we were paying more than that so in the United States. So fuel is not an issue yes. in terms of price and or availability. That's correct. And it's a very good grade, same as what we have over here. So you can definitely recommend Mexico. Yes, any, I would. Any caveats to our listeners? Things to watch out for? Gotchas? Don't listen to the U.S. <laughs> news about Mexico. <laughs> and know, I would that, say that's, that, 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 that's true. You know, mm-hmm. they, they report on bad things that are happening mm-hmm. just like happens in our cities. And, mm-hmm. and that's not true of the whole country mm-hmm. in any shape, way, or form. You know, it's mm-hmm. a small little area. I would say, too, um, go with an open mind and an uh-huh. open heart uh, to be receptive to all the wonderful experiences that are waiting for you and the warm, friendly people down in Mexico. And uh, don't, don't, you know, try to have as few preconceptions mm-hmm. as, as possible going down there, and you'll have a wonderful time. Well, it sounds like you've had some great experiences in Mexico, and we do appreciate you very much for sharing them with our listeners and with us. I guess we'll say adios, and we'll, we'll see you in Mexico. Adios, Ken. <laughs> oh, that was a fun interview, interview to do. A lot of laughing going on. Uh, it maybe sounds like there was a little drinking, but there was actually just a fountain going bubbling in the background. <laughs> it was not, uh, not us gurgling. And I think that will about do it for this episode of the RV Navigator. So this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot, wishing you happy travels and hoping that we run into you at a campground near us. 